The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast in association with Her Game 2. My name is Chess Warren and this is our look at the women's game from the Champions League to the National League and beyond. Joining us this week, we have Inesh, Sampaio and Leicester player and England under-23 international Shannon O'Brien. Welcome both of you. Thank you so much for coming on. We have a really packed out pod this week as there have been lots of great football happening all across the board. I think the best place to start though is midweek as Manchester United beat Arsenal in a potential title decider by a goal to nil. Alessia Russo's goal in the fifth minute of the first half of stoppage time was enough to clinch the win for them. Both teams needed to put three points on the board for this one to keep their title hopes alive. This was a real like statement win for Manchester United. They've been able to take six points off Arsenal this season. Shannon, how have you found playing against Mark Skinner's side? Yeah, I think they're a, a tough side and you can definitely see the change in uh, in this year from last year, especially the progress that they've made. Um, obviously, it's clear in the table, but I think they a more experienced and more I don't know, I just think you can tell that they're they're ready to push on for the title. I think last year they you know they they were up there but they wasn't they weren't challenging really. Uh, but I think this year they just look different. They look like they're made more to to be able to go all the way. Uh I think it'll be tight. Um but no that they're, they're they're a strong side Pretty much because they've got such a strong goal threat, but also defensively really sound. And I know that sounds stupid to say, but a lot of teams don't usually have both. So uh, I think they're blessed that way. But yeah, they're a, they're a tough side and um, be interesting to watch this title race for sure. Yeah, definitely. There's still still four good teams in it that, that could clinch the title. So it's definitely going to go down to the wire. It's, it's interesting that you say about that you can tell that they have that inner belief. I know I speak about it a lot. Um, on this podcast, but after the um, after the previous Arsenal game, I spoke to Katie Sellum um, in the mix zone afterwards, and she said that now they have belief, and they didn't have belief before, and as much as they do to kind of grind out those sorts of wins, but now they have that belief. Inesh, do you think that they can let themselves believe that they can win the title? Obviously, they still have to beat Manchester City and Aston Villa next weekend, but I think Manchester City is a kind of big one. Or should they not let themselves dream? I think they should definitely uh, let themselves dream. Uh, those wins against Arsenal, like I said, were definitely statement wins. And playing as they are playing, and also without the uh, added um, you know, exhaustion from the Champions League, for example, because Arsenal have that, um, you know, they, they can really focus uh, on the league. And I think they can definitely dream. They're playing well. They have, they're solid both offensively and defensively. So, and also like Chelsea are also with the Champions League. So they have, you know, two, uh, two competitions to worry about. So I think Manchester United are, uh, will be, if they don't win the, the, the title, they will at least fight for it until the very end. Hopefully, anyway, because that, that's what we want to see as people watching the league. Apart from the United win, though, the other big story that obviously came out of this game was Leah Williamson tearing her ACL in the 15th minute of the fixture. It's a huge injury, as we know, um, that will see her out for the rest of the season and she will um, miss the World Cup and probably quite 
quite a big amount of next season too. Obviously, this is a massive blow for club and country. Um, Shannon, Arsenal are faring really quite badly with injuries at the moment. A lot of their main kind of set of their squad aren't playing. As a player, how do you deal with that when you really are having to like move back and forth and play in different positions? Yeah, it's tough, especially for Arsenal with the players that they do have missing. You know, it's three or four of their main players. So it's hard to, it's hard when there's such big personalities that miss out. But as a team, I think you have to come together and, um, you know, just pull through because you can't really do anything about it now. You can't change that. So uh, you have to be adaptable. You have to be able to play in different positions to help out. your team so it's something you have to deal with but of course it's going to be hard for them to, to get through it but I'm sure if they come together collectively they'll be all right. Also mid- in midweek Brighton moved off the bottom as they beat Everton at 3-2. Elizabeth Turland scored twice either side of Katie Robinson's superb chip while a double from Everton's Schnoyle threatened a late comeback. You can tell Mel Phillips is already trying to stamp her mark on Brighton can't you? They'll just need to stay up to see it pay dividends. Inesh, do you think it's a positive sign for the Brighton side? Uh, definitely, yes. I think um, at, at some point I was uh, a little bit doubtful of their uh, ability to, you know, to meet uh, the goals they had set for the season. But I think uh, it's been they've been on, on the up, and uh, I think um, well. <laughs> I don't want to like repeat myself, but I think it's a really good sign. And I think, and uh, well, I'm going to stop saying, I think, uh, in my opinion, um, they're, they have everything to finish uh, the season on a high, on a high note. And um, it'll be bad for their opponents, of course, but I've been glad to see them, uh, you know, on this, uh, like writing, a better wave that they had been uh, before beforehand. So I'm excited for what's to come for them. And I, I hope they do finish the season on a high. Yeah, definitely. There were whisperings um, on the on the grapevine that they Brighton actually could have got Mel Phillips earlier on in the season. And I think they're probably going to be kicking themselves now that they didn't do that. Because um, I feel like they have like huge, quite, they have underachieved for the, for the squad that they do have. Um, but it's really interesting kind uh, of watching her kind of kick them into touch a little bit. On to the Champions League semi-finals though. Chelsea hosted last season's runners-up Barcelona at Stamford Bridge. Caroline Graham Hansen's goal in four minutes was enough to see the Spanish side take the first leg back to Catalonia. I was in the stands for this game, um, actually stood with a bunch of the um, Chelsea ultras, which was quite fun in the Matthew Harding end. After the first goal, though, I did fear it was going to be a little bit of a bloodbath for the home team. But Chelsea kind of managed to regain control a little bit around the 20th minute. And then they were strong from there. They probably also would have felt a little bit of aggrieved that they didn't have at least one penalty um, one penalty shout for them. I think the ref, the referee as a whole, um, was reluctant to blow the whistle at times, or maybe check VAR when she could have been able to to maybe let the game flow a little bit. But that was kind of quite frustrating, being in the crowd. The positive, though, obviously, is Emma Hayes's side is still in this tie. So despite the second leg being away, Shannon, do you think the trip to Camp Nou will be a bit too much for for Chelsea this season, or do you think they still they still are able to do it? I think they're still in the game. Um, you know, it's not it's not like they're down and out. It's only one nil, so anything can happen. And 
Um, you know, with the players that they have, you can't write them off. Uh, Barcelona are obviously unreal and it's going to be a very, very challenging game, especially with the, the numbers they get at the new camp. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be tough. Um, but, you know, I think they can do it. Um, if maybe if it had been two or three, then you'd probably just write it off. But with just the one, I'm I'm sure they can, you know, take that all the way, definitely. Yeah, I wonder if the players were kind of having a little bit of a flashback to obviously that very iconic um, Champions League final um, where all, the wheels kind of all fell off all at once in the first couple of, in the first 20, 25 minutes of the fixture and then they weren't able to get anything back from that. So it was a real positive to kind of see the, the like attitude change. Serena Wiegmann, though, bless her, was probably hiding behind the sofa um, after the, this last week. Williamson's injury, Lucy Bronze went down clutching her knee at one point, but it was reported after the game that she was kind of feeling fine. Inesh, coming up to the, the summer, do you think the defensive uh, problems that England are going to potentially have due to these kind of like underlying injury concerns, is that going to really be an issue or do you think the youngsters will be able to clinch something from it? I think England have very good youngsters, but it's always different, you know, having Lucy Bronze, having Lee Williamson, it's, you know, when, when you have that kind of experience and also quality, um, you know, when you're able to uh, link the two, uh, it's always different. All, however, it's, you know, football, obviously, like, it's 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 really bad when a player uh, goes down from an injury and et cetera. But also football is like this, you know, a player gets injured, another player gets an opportunity, and that player could even, you know, be the biggest star in the tournament suddenly because those things happen. And obviously, like, uh, for the injured player, it's terrible. And uh, obviously, uh, my heart breaks for them. My heart breaks for Leah Williamson. Um, but, you know, when, 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 when the young players also, obviously, no one wants to get a chance because another player got injured. But that's many like a lot of the times that's how younger players get chances and who knows uh like maybe a lot a uh, lot women bo- women moy i'm sorry um wouldn't uh get as much of a chance of making the squad for uh the world cup and maybe now she will be there for example uh so and she's really like she's a quality player she's a really really good player uh so i don't know i think um England will definitely definitely be affected uh, by injury problems if they persist. Well, in, in Leah Williamson's case, of course, it will persist. But I think it's also a chance for younger and really good players to come out and say, you know, I'm here, I'm ready to shine. This is my moment. And who knows? Uh, I think England have such a, a, a wide pool of players to choose from. Good, really good players that I don't think it, 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 like it has to definitely go wrong ju- yeah. uh, just because a player is injured. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because obviously you have the youngsters, um, strong strong defensive talent, Myla Tissier, you have Esme Morgan, lots of Abamoy. Also, obviously, a lot of talk over the past couple of weeks and the past couple of months about the fact that um, Steph Horton never officially retired and although she's never played under Serena Wiegmann in, in the press conferences there was always that the the reason that was given was well we actually don't know if we're ever going to have to call on her be really really interesting to see whether those um, whether those communications start opening up again and we, we we see a kind of 
a, a new addition, a, a familiar face back in that England squad. I think that's going to be really interesting when it when it comes around. Obviously, Steph Horton got her birthday goal this weekend, which was really lovely to see. Um, over in the other Champions League fixture, though, in Germany, Arsenal needed to get over that midweek blow as they travelled to the former winners, Wolfsburg. They fell behind on 18 minutes to the current top scorer in the Champions League, Eva Pajor, as she latched onto the ball from Svenis Jonstotir. Jons Dossier then added a second after a misplaced pass across the box, le- left Arsenal with a mountain to climb. Souza uh, redeemed herself a little bit for that um, earlier mistake. She knocked one back right on half time and she headed home from a corner. It was a brilliant header coming from a corner as well. She got up very high to get that in the back of the net. And Stina Blackstenius knocked in an equaliser after some really good work and great creative passing from Pulova and Lotta Vuban Moy. After the week they've had, Inesh, do you think it's the resilience that have led Arsenal to grind out this result? They've left it all to play for with a home advantage. They're set to have upwards of 46,000 fans at the Emirates on May the 1st. Do you think they can get the job done? Uh, I I do, yes. Uh, First of all, this Arsenal... I think it's very different from previous arsenals in in terms of like their resilience, their mental resilience above all. Uh, I have not seen uh, Arsenal be so mentally strong in in prior seasons. Uh, and this was I, I saw like a stat that this was the first time that Arsenal started without Miedema, Mead, Little, and Williamson in almost seven years, <laughs> which is amazing. And they still did that. Uh, this wasn't their best performance, but it was a, a show of, you know, uh, resilience again, and that, you know, sometimes that would get you, you know, uh, the extra mile um, with, and, you know, with people like uh, Wuben Moy, uh, Palova, etc., showing that they are here to, you know, to, to, to take a stand and really, they can really shine. So I think at home with 45,000 of their fans, uh, and having shown so much uh, resilience and so much quality as well in the uh, away game, I think they have, you know, if they remain uh, competent and if they remain uh, as steadfast as they were, despite those terrible first minutes, uh, I think they have everything to go through. But, you know, we cannot uh, discard Wolfsburg just yet. They have yeah. amazing talent. Payor, uh, Jens Dottir they're amazing so i think it'll be a very tough match but arsenal can definitely be can definitely dream about going to the final alex pop also um famously missed out on this fixture um with the i think it was a light muscle strain she's not out for for games coming it was ju- it was just a precaution for her to not play so obviously that that's a big miss for wolfsburg as well shannon you worked with Lydia Bedford when she managed Leicester. Um, she's now the assistant coach um, of Arsenal. What impact do you think she would have had on this side? And also, on a bit of a lighter note, is her dog as cute as it looks when she posts photos of it on Twitter? I think, firstly, yeah, Baxter is very cute. And he um, he used to be in the training ground all the time. He was in when he was eating lunch and he'd try and get some food off everybody. So he was, but to be fair, he's well behaved, but yeah, he's, he's a good dog. Um, but no, I think Lydia, I think it's always a boost to any team in general. When uh, a new face is in the building, someone you can, someone new to impress, someone new to show uh, who you are. And I think she probably would have took the experience with us. You know, that was her first uh, senior uh, job role. 
in terms of club football. Uh, probably would have took the experience she got from us, uh, keeping us up in, in the league last year uh, to a completely new environment, but uh, a new environment where you're challenging for titles, um, resilience and strength um, and togetherness, things like that that you get from relegation battles obviously works the other end as well when you're pushing for the league. So I'm sure she would have brought all of that uh, to that squad for sure. Just a quick question about Katie McCabe, though, because there's been lots of kind of back and forth over the past couple of weeks and and few months, really, about her ability to collect yellow cards and fixtures like their Infinity Stones. Um, obviously, she's ended up as captain now of Arsenal due to kind of the amount of injuries and other issues that they're, that they're having kind of by, by accident. Obviously, I'm sure she's a very strong leader. But do you do you think that someone who is is more likely to get themselves involved in in that way. Do you think that they should be still doing that as as captain because you kind of saw that um on the weekend of like the real shove on. I think it was Oberdorf um which obviously uh, allowed her to pick up a, a yellow in that fixture. Is it still something that is kind of like fine to do because it's like oh it's just accepted that that that's that's how the player is or do you think it's you should kind of like cool down a little bit? No, I I I don't I'm not saying I'm all for yellow cards but I think it's that's just the way she is as a player. I don't think she, I don't think she's ever going to change that. And I think it's a positive to show. I think, in, especially in the weeks that they've been having and the players they're missing, and you need people to step up. And she's that player, I think, for them that will step up. And that passion, uh, obviously, you can show it in other ways. But if that's the way it's shown sometimes, then that's the way it is. And I think, it, although it's not great to get a yellow, it, it gives people a boost in the team. And it gives the fans the boost that, you know, someone's actually shown that they care and, and they're really... You know, they care for the team. So I don't think it's a massive issue. Uh, obviously, if she gets a yellow card every game, then you need to have a word. But I think every now and again, it's nice to share a bit of passion. Yeah, definitely. Back in the WSL this weekend, though, Brighton couldn't build on that win over Everton as they lost 2-1 over at Liverpool. Holland's second half double saw Liverpool edge past Brighton and move closer to women's Super League safety. Brighton had taken a first-half lead through Elizabeth Turland, who chipped Rachel Laws from distance. The Reds are now nine points clear of the drop zone, with five games left to play. Brighton are only two points off the drop zone. Now, Liverpool could probably be seen as safe. Inesh, when they come to look back on that season, do you think that they're going to be happy with the performances and the position that they've got themselves in? Uh, I think they will be happy that, you know, if they stay up, they will be happy that they sit up, obviously. Uh, but I think maybe they aspire to a little bit more, especially, uh, you know, during the uh, the first half of the season. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, having having come up, they stayed up. So I think it's baby steps, you know. Although we associate Liverpool, you know, because also because of the men's game, uh, you know, they're such a huge team in the men's game. So... I think they associate uh, Liverpool with bigger, bigger things, so to speak. Um, but for now, um, you know, with what they're doing currently, I think we have to give them the room to grow uh, mm-hmm. and to grow into the world that they maybe, probably want to, you know, want to step into. But for now, uh, again, baby steps. They, 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 they moved up. They're staying up potentially so we'll see what comes uh in in future seasons but you you really need to solidify you know to uh like that presence and that team in in the in the top flight before starting to you know 
vie for for bigger things so for now i think they will be moderately happy at least reading are now the team that leicester are gonna have their eye on Obviously, Shannon, your beloved Leicester didn't play this weekend, but they're now a point behind Reading, who lies second to bottom. Reading let two-goal lead slip at home to Everton. They made a perfect start and raced 2-0 ahead by the 17th minute, but Hannah Benenson pulled one back before a penalty was slotted home and Sorensen scored a late strike. Reading have always kind of been tipped to have enough to kind of survive the drop this season. But do you think they should be worried now, especially as the game, um, as how the game panned out? Shannon, do you think it's like telling of defensive duties if you can't like hold on to the lead? Or do you think this will be something that they'll be able to work on in the coming fixtures? Um, I think Reading are always a difficult one. They, I always think they usually come from behind. I think they've done it a few times this season. They, they're always that team I don't think you can write off. Um, so I don't think they can look at that and start panicking because it's, it's one game. But at the same time, you do have to look at how, having a, a two-goal lead like that and, and letting it slip isn't ideal, especially in the obviously the situation that they're in. So, yeah, I think they can obviously look at it and change. But I, I do think they have the characteristics to, on the flip side, to do the same to the team so I don't think they will be too worried because they've done it previously themselves that um, that they're in that bad of a position after that game especially if Leicester can get a couple more points on the board Reading are going to be playing Tottenham in the second to last game week Shannon do you think that this fixture will kind of decide it for them actually for both teams yeah I think uh, to be honest I think it's a big game I think the end of the season we all have quite big games uh, and it leaves quite a bit of a, a crazy finish so uh, yeah, that is a big game obviously in terms of where the teams are uh, in the table but uh, I don't think that will solidify anything I think uh, I, I do think it will come down to the last game I mean I hope not but um, I do yeah I was about to say not not to not to be sadistic it's great it's a great watch for us probably awful for, for you guys but both at the top and the bottom it's been really nice I think we we're talking about this last week it's been so nice to see like a proper top four challenge and then also a proper bottom four challenge as well because you kind of in the WSL sometimes you'll get to about like mid-February and you can kind of work out who's, who's going down and who's not going to be able to put the points on the board. But it's not been as certain this season and it's just really been brilliant to see. There's been upset across the board and teams like Aston Villa who've been able to um, put lots of goals, have been a real like stickler for Manchester City, for example, and then going on to this next result that we're going to talk about. Tottenham, who haven't won at home for 17 games, were looking like that they were going to beat them until right at the, right at the end of the fixture. And then it ended up 3-3. As we were saying there, also down at the bottom, Spurs couldn't pull away either from a game down at Brisbane Road. They were coming into the game on the back of 11 defeats in 12 games. It looked like it was going bad to worse um, because Hansen fired a Kenzadali's pass back past Becky Spencer and Daly soon doubled the advantage. But Sumnum's double got Spurs back level. The Finn had never scored for Spurs before this month, but made it three goals in two games by striking either side of half time. Beth England then capitalised on being given the freedom of the six-yard box to take her Tottenham tally to six goals in eight games since her January switch from Chelsea. But Daly managed to get the equaliser to keep her quest for the golden boot. 
Beth England is proving to be such a crucial signing for Tottenham, having scored or set up a goal in every single game that she has played in since moving across London. Do you think she's going to be the difference for them between going down and staying up? She's a top, top player, in my opinion. Uh, I think she's, um, you know, she came from Chelsea and she didn't play at Chelsea because there are other, even like more top players. But she is a top player. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, when you have Beth England, you can dream of, you know, um, beating the odds. So I think she could be, well, she will definitely be their their key player at the end of the day. Uh, We'll see if she can keep them up. But yes, she will be the, if they do stay up, she will be that defining factor, in my opinion. Um, because she's just she's amazing and she's proven it uh it wasn't just you know uh if it wasn't again if it wasn't for Kerr, harder uh kirby uh, all lauren james all the talent that chelsea have uh up front she would be playing at chelsea because she has a quality for that so it's almost like she's um with all like due respect to tottenham you know because because they are they are at the bottom of the table, but without due respect to them, she's uh you know she it's like her foot is a little bit too big for those boots you know so but she will definitely be very uh you know be key for them and she's a defining factor for them and if they stay up, they can thank not their lucky stars but their lucky England because uh <laughs> on St George's Day as well she did so well no exactly the late yeah. kickoff though saw Manchester City host West Ham this was a great one to watch um as there were lots and lots of goals City got off to a fast start as Chloe Kelly scored two and two minutes before eight minutes had reached the clock it was an action-packed first half as Emma Snell pulled one back for the visitors with a curling shot four minutes later but Coombs's header restored the host to goal lead. WSL top scorer Khadija Shaw swiveled to score her 17th goal of the season after the break and Steph Horton's birthday goal made it five. Happy birthday to Steph. Lisa Evans briefly reduced the deficit, but City's Australian striker Mary Fowler scored her first WSL goal late on to complete the scoring. The win moves Manchester City into second place. Six goals for City, but two conceded. We actually saw the return of 18-year-old Kiara Keating in goal as Roebuck was on the bench as a precaution for this match. But I think the big question goalkeeping-wise is over Mackenzie Arnold in this fixture. I don't know if something was going on behind the scenes, and fair enough, some people have off days and that's completely understandable. But she's normally a brilliant shot stopper, but she was so stationary throughout all of this fixture. I I, I think at least four of the goals were, were direct goalkeeping errors. Shannon, when you play a fixture sometimes and, and things don't go your way or you, you you in yourself know that you've had a bit of a bad game, how do you kind of come back from that? And how is that something that you can kind of work towards when you're like working towards your next fixture? Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough. Obviously, everybody has that day. And, you know, it's just unfortunate, especially for a keeper when you have that day. It means... <laughs> You can see the few and your team lose pretty much. So, you know, it's not ideal, but she kind of just has to forget about it. I mean, you can't really do anything now. Um, the worst thing would be to dwell on it. Like I said, especially as a keeper, you can't dwell on that going into into the next game because that's all you're going to think about. And realistically, you're that you're the main you're the main player really in terms of whether your team are, are winning or, or losing. So, 
yeah you have to just forget about it I mean it's difficult in the moment you can probably you know think about it at night and reflect on it but you kind of push it aside and the next day you've got to just get back into training and go again and just put it right yeah I guess also it's even worse for a goalkeeper because every if it's a good chance every mistake that you make ends up in being a goal and so it kind of looks a bit worse if you're a you're a striker or a midfielder it kind of like falls into the stats a little bit more but yeah hopefully she'll be able to build on it in the championship though it's congratulations to Bristol City as they clinched promotion back to the WSL after a 4-0 win over Charlton in front of 7500 at Ashton Gate. Grace Clinton gave the hosts the lead midway through the first half and Abby Harrison doubled the tally. Brooke Aspin added their third before Morgan Strike made it 4-0 to clinch the title with one game to go. They've also just announced that they will be playing all of their games at Ashton Gate next season. Lauren Smith said that she's excited for what's to come next. They didn't have the best time when they were up here in the WSL last time. Shannon, how did you find the step up between playing in the championship and playing in the WSL? What's kind of the key difference that you've found? I think it's a whole different world, in my opinion, just the the level of, of players that you play against. Um, especially at, uh, especially this year, I think, even from last year in the WSL, you can see the difference. But it's so, especially when you come up as well, it's so like daunting sometimes, just the... The, the teams that you play against and sometimes you just know like the level of opposition sometimes can just be too much and um you know I think obviously last the last time they were in the WSL they didn't um obviously stay up but I think moving up from from the season they've had it's always a bonus obviously to get promoted and you have that big moment where where you win the league and and you're on a high um but you have to you have to strengthen um, regardless of of where you think the squad is, um, you have to strengthen for the WSL because I just think the level of opposition is a completely different uh, ball game. And yeah, if you don't and you you can't go into the WSL thinking that you know you've just won the league, so you'll just stay up. That's not that's not how it works. Birmingham, who were their closest challengers for the title, had a good run and they continued with a win over Durham in midweek. And then in a return fixture, Louise Quinn and Charlie Devlin had them 2-0 up before half-time. Durham captain Sarah Wilson pulled a goal back, but alas, it wasn't to be for either Durham or Birmingham. London City Lionesses ultimately fell away at the end after being Bristol's closest challengers. They had a flyer away at Blackburn Rovers. Amy Rogers and two goals from Karen Muya had them 3-0 up at half-time. A Saffron Jordan penalty and a Lauren Thomas goal got a goal back to make the scoreline respectable. Southampton have actually had a really strong first season in the championship. They won 4-0 away at Coventry United, thanks to Katie Wilkinson, Ellie Pousset, Beth Lumsden and a Jodie Bartle own goal. Sheffield United beat Sunderland 4-2 and Crystal Palace beat Lewis 4-1. On to the National League and in the North, Nottingham Forest, despite being in League Cup action, where they saw off Watford. That's because Burnley and Wolves clashed at the top of the table and it's Wolves who moved back to second thanks to a 2-1 win. Amber Hughes put Wolves ahead before Georgia Marshall equalised for Burnley but Anna Morfitt's penalty on 72 minutes saw Dan McNamara's side take the three points which means it's a three-horse race for the title. Burnley hosts Liverpool Feds, Wolves travel to Brighouse and Forest host Stoke. In the South, it's a three-horse race at the top as well as none of the top three played. 
Portsmouth's title hopes are over as they could only draw 1-1 at MK Dons. The title could be over on Thursday evening as Oxford travel to Watford. Should Oxford win that, they won't be able to be caught at the top of the division, so make sure you keep an eye out for that. So that is it for us for this week. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast via all good podcasting platforms and give us a follow over on Twitter at TWFP1 and on Instagram at the Women's Football Podcast. Shannon, where can people find you if they want to give you a cheeky little follow? Uh, on Twitter, I think it's uh, ShanOB9 and Instagram is ShanOB09, I think. Awesome. How about you, Inesh? Where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at Inesh for Sampaio. It's I N E S four S A M P A I O. Perfect. Thank you letters. so much. Have a great week, everyone.